episode 1009, and it's the Relevant Podcast here in Orlando. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and joining me from Loverland, Virginia, it's Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. From Paris, France, our very own Tyler Huckabee. Bonjour, everyone. And from Austin, Texas, author, speaker, podcaster, Jamie Ivey. Hey, guys. This is take two. <laughs> this is take two, a little behind the scenes, because a little tech issue on my side. But you know what? Even that's not going to get me down. I'm in a great mood. It's, it's that time of year. I'm just, you know, whatever. We're going to have a great show. Can't crush your so. spirit. Yeah. And, and I had done this whole rant about why, <laughs> <laughs> why we're all feeling good. And I comically asked Tyler in the last take what season mm-hmm. it was in Paris because I only keep up with the American season just because there's so much happening in the world right, right now. Right. But it, all that to say, people can, it, it's lost to the archives, but there's lots of jokes about how life just feels good this time of year for some reason. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of, uh, 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 booted feet on the streets, a lot of beverages mm. and hands. <laughs> that sounds like a new song. Get your booted feet on the street. You're, you're, talk, you're talking about like good autumn vibes. Like everyone just feels a little bit. Yeah. Everyone's just like a little yeah. bit more like summer was getting a little old. It was getting hot. We'd all the movies that we wanted to see in the summer had come out. We saw and and now we and now we're ready for like like fall is here. Fall's back. Yeah, it, it, it's it's a great feel when there's somewhere off in the distance. So there's a fire going somewhere. Yeah, you know. Uh, I do not know. understand the things you're talking about because our version of fall here in Florida is it's just not hot. We don't put it doesn't get cold like our winter is your fall. Right. So yeah. like I'm a few months away from smelling the crisp fires or whatever like that. But right now I just can I can walk my dog and I don't sweat. It's lovely. So yeah, yeah. but even in Austin, I mean, I told you guys it's going to be 93 today, but in the morning it's a little crisp in the air. I There is. If I had list top five things I love in life at the top, well, somewhere in the middle is going to be a fire in the fireplace. Mm. I love a yep. fire in the fireplace. And so at our house, I mean, we're going to put a fire on with the AC running in the in the fall because I just I love the way it makes me feel. It makes me happy. Jamie, let me ask you this, because I'm a big fire in the fireplace type of type of cat, too. OK, mm-hmm. Um now, are you a gas fire that you just turn the switch on or you would? Because I'm no, all we're about working the fire. For that fire. We're working. Yeah. You have to work yes. for it at our house. Yep. Part it's of the a fun. thing. Yep. Yes. Yep. We have natural wood fires and there's just nothing like it. You know? No, I agree. Oh, I love it so much. There's an element of danger. I can't tell you how many times <laughs> a flaming hot ember has just bounced out right onto the carpet. And I like the thrill of the indoor fire. <laughs> I like that it feels incredibly unsafe. Uh, it's just a little thrills of the evening. You know, uh, you got the you got uh, uh, Monday Night Football on. And at any moment, a live ember could pop right out and it's <laughs> on your toes. It's just part of the season. But you, you have know? the shade thing, don't you? I mean... Come on, no Jesse, shade right? Thing. I have a deep, oh. I have a deep, uh, a, a, a deep okay. fireplace. Okay, it just Same. goes back in there. It like, wow, you know, like the Pilgrim's hat or a hole in the wall. Yep. Yes. Oh wow. See, not not at the Ivies because you know I'm like anxious and worst case scenario type girl. So yep. if you don't put the shield back up, I'm gonna let you know. So like no. the shield stays up. No one's gonna no one's gonna catch fire on my watch. Jamie, let me let me tell you the thrill of the no shield. Okay, <laughs> it is it is you feel you feel alive. Okay, you feel that you know. Like I said, at any moment you're stomping out a fire right on the carpet. 
And, <laughs> and that yeah, that's is just, you have carpet. So you've got the embers. Do you have like oh. little holes from oh, yeah. there's numerous there's numerous burn <laughs> holes. See, that's not relaxing. That's stressful. No, no, no. It is like I said, it's it's a com- it's a feeling of being alive. Okay, of okay. of of I'm outside of yes, I'm experiencing the creature comforts of a cool evening in a wood fire, but I also know that <laughs> you know this is the eternal struggle with man versus flame, and I like it. <laughs> I like it. Just call me crazy. Can I can I tell call you, me crazy? Can I give you a little window into the into the, the my growing up experience? I grew up in rural Nebraska, and the fireplace that we had that my parents had in our big house until I was about ten years old was one of those big pot belly stoves, those big black. Mm-hmm. iron rot like it was in the oh, middle yeah. of the you know it wasn't in the wall it was kind Do of you live in a settler cabin like what in the <laughs> world it was very mid it was very medieval and it, but you know i didn't know that at the time it was just what we had in our house now i know that this thing was probably not legal and it, you know it was right. probably the you know it was yeah. probably they would have with some justification child services would have dragged us out of there because you want to talk about <laughs> man versus fire that thing you know heats up it's so if you got a fire in there young young kids wrestling around you know kind of you know kind of horsing around on the carpet anytime that that could turn deadly deadly at any moment all one wrong fit one slip into the into that pot belly stove if you put your hand on that thing you lose the hand is done you lose it like but incinerated like in a nuclear bomb blast it was that thing got so hot and uh, my parents were like so sad that we weren't able to take it with us when we moved out to like the slightly more modern area of Lincoln, Nebraska, uh, but it was be, like we had a fireplace there, but it wasn't like the big potbelly stove fireplace. But it was comparatively safe. So, so you're telling me that you know before moving into a part of Nebraska that was under the watchful eye of a fire marshal, <laughs> it was just a giant red hot ball no of loss. iron in the living room. No loss, and, and I like it. It's, it's like a Mount lesson Doom. you yeah, learn it was once. Crazy. Yep, yeah. this feels like how our ancestors were raised. So, I mean, you know, it, this is this is doable. Hardy but. folks, yeah, it came from good stock. Our hardy folks. I mean, most of them didn't make it through most winters, um, <laughs> and it wasn't they, the cold; it was the it was the fire that erupted in their yeah, house. It was that that and dysentery, and uh, but all that to say is it's a great time of year. I'm feeling good, you know, Cameron. I know you're feeling good over there. Feeling great. It's, a, it's just a good time. Hey, hey, well, moving the show along, we have a great show in store for our listeners. It's a big week. Coming up later, we talk to Morphid Clark, the star of, she's Galadriel in Amazon's Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power. It is, uh, the finale is this week. So she's joining us. Um, you don't want to miss that. We also have your feedback at the end of the show. I promise no mooning talk this week. Uh, for, forgive us. Really? Really? Okay. Well. Is this what happens when I'm gone? There goes I'm not my slice. At the same run of show. Fifteen yeah, solid minutes <laughs> on mooning last week. Uh, wow. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, don't miss that. And uh, stay tuned. Right now, up next, Emily joins us for relevant buzz. Listening to Beginners and St. Lucia, the song is Broke. Season four of The Chosen is in theaters now, and the reviews that count are in. 
Amazing. Did not disappoint. Flurry of emotions. It was powerful, heartbreaking, uplifting. You have got to come and see it. It is a message for everybody. I highly recommend that you come out and see The Chosen Season 4. Episodes 1 through 3 of The Chosen Season 4 are in theaters till February 14th. So visit thechosenriseup.com and get your tickets now. That's thechosenriseup.com for tickets today. Okay, it's time for... Relevant Buzz. Please welcome to the show our very own downtown Emily Brown. Hey, y'all. I think you're still in Austin, right? No, I'm in Houston now. Is it fire season there yet? Is it cool enough for either outdoor or indoor fires there in Houston, Emily? Um, I'm going to go with no. I think we're finally in the 80s. So it is Mm. cooling down for Houston, but... Yeah, I think the rest of the world would agree that it's not cooling yeah. down. Yet. I literally, I feel like I'm outside here, and it's like in the 70s or whatever upper 70s, and it's so lovely. Like you don't need, you're not longing for air conditioning. And I'm sitting there thinking, this is our fall, and this is what the mm-hmm. rest of the world experiences as summer. Right. But, so this is why people like summer. Oh, okay. They like being outside in summer because <laughs> it feels can, like this. You can tolerably be outside. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. Anyway, all right, uh, Rel and Buzz, what do you have? What's going on this week? Um, I want to start off talking about a study that came out uh, that is honestly not super surprising, but I think it is still important to talk about. Um, essentially, the study found that teenagers today like Jesus a lot more than they like Christians. Um, like I said, this is it's a pretty common theme, but um, I think it's really important to dig into why that is um, and for the church to wrestle with that because one day this is not going to be the next generation. This is going to be the generation. So we kind of need to get ahead of it while we can. Um, But essentially, yeah, the study found that um, around half of teenagers surveyed like Jesus and they think he's very loving and they think um, that he's, I think 42% said he was wise, but alternatively they said 31% um, see Christians as loving and 18% see them as wise. So that's a big decrease between 18%. Yeah. So the leader of our faith, well, we're good with. the problem is the problem is they listen to this podcast and they know how deeply unwise we are. Yeah. What, yeah, so. what are you talking what? about? We're so wise. <laughs> yeah, but we love life. I'm you looking know? at some of the no, wisest we people. Hey, we're here. too busy living. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, to be fair. I feel like, you know, the, the, the wisdom thing again is like, honestly, for any, for people of any faith, that's a high bar to be looked at as just wise people, right? Like there's lots of reasons that you could be looked at as not, as not the wisest, right? But collectively, I feel like, you, you, you know, you could, you could get a sort of moral pass on that. You know what I mean? Because sometimes, look, it's hard to know. It's hard to know the right, sometimes, you know, how to discern complicated. We live in a complicated world, right? We should be able to get a pass on that. Or at least like, oh, it's excusable. Jesus was wise, but us followers, uh, they're not as wise. The loving thing, I I feel like there's really no excuse, right? I mean, like, like if we're really followers of, of Jesus, shouldn't shouldn't that just be the default like oh i'll say this i don't always agree with them about this or that or or uh their their opinions on this issue but i will say this they're really loving people Mm -hmm. they demonstrate these fruits of the spirit uh which starts with love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness self-control those 
it doesn't seem like there's an excuse for that. I can get why, you know, any segment of the population could say, I don't agree with him on, on issues of discernment or, or political or social issues, but they're really, really loving. That to me is way more concerning than the wisdom one. It is because also like, you know, just to say what Jesus said is he said that people are going to know that you're my follower by the way that you love one another. And I think that right there is what's concerning about the study as well. It's like, oh, how do you know people are followers of Jesus because they love each other so well? And yet you're saying, oh, we don't do that very well. That's that. Sh- that should scare us all. I've been thinking about this a little bit because I do think that there is a I think the response to this that you often hear when people bring up these this stats like this is, well, Christians never claim to be perfect, but we point towards a perfect savior or we point towards a perfect God. And that's what we should do, which I agree with. I think that's very true. But I think the problem with that is, is that Christians have oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes also kind of made, we've, we've implied that part of being a Christian is sort of a moral, like you, you get a little bit of, of a moral power boost when you become a Christian in a way that sometimes, some Christians even say like, maybe we should, people should be listening to us on questions of morality when it comes to things like sexuality, when it comes to things like liberty, other countries, free, you know, lots of lots of different issues. And if we can't live up to the bar that we ourselves have set, then I think that the idea that Christians aren't perceived as being as loving as we wish we do, I think that has a lot of teeth then. Like we've kind of set up this own bar that we are failing to clear. And if we could go back to instead just saying like, yes, we're not perfect, but we follow a perfect savior, that feels way more um that that feels like a way more achievable goal for the American church to have right now. I'm, I'm also curious with surveys like this, where it's general population, this is what they think about Jesus. It's like, what do you know about Jesus? <laughs> like, have you ever read the story of Jesus? Like, you know what I mean? Is this just a reputation thing? Or is this like, they know what they're talking about? Well, so that was actually a really interesting part of the study. They did dig into what do they theologically believe about Jesus. And of the ones who said that they like Jesus, there were some things that they things that we would consider to be pretty big ones that they didn't agree on. Like only a third of them, or I think it was half of them agreed that Jesus um, died. Only a third of them agreed that he came back from the dead, which is obviously a very big part of our faith. Um, And Mm -hmm. so I think that goes back to the, like, to your point, yes, we should be known for our love. I do think we should strive to also be known for our wisdom because I think if you're just trying to read the Bible on your own and it's, it's not always easy. So you might miss some things. You might not understand them. You might have a lot of questions. And if you don't have people that are wise and can pour into you that you trust, then you're just going to have these false beliefs. And so I think we need to strive for love a hundred percent, but I think we also need to at the same time address like there is a wisdom that we can pass down and make sure that we're sharing solid, good truth with them. I think we've also seen like in the last even like election cycles, people have geared toward this evangelical community. And I think we're seeing a lot of people who would say, yes, I am a Christian, but really like their life doesn't represent Christ. They don't follow the teachings of Christ. They don't look anything like Jesus Christ. And so we live in this like cultural Christianity type Mm -hmm. of bubble. And so you're looking at everyone and saying, hey, all these culture Christians that you know, do you think they're wise? Do you think they're kind? Do you think they're loving? And they're like, not really. They're kind of jerks. And, And the question could be like, is it a culture of Christianity or do they actually follow Jesus and the teachings of Christ? That's also something you have to think about as well in this country that we live in that so many people would claim like this needs to be a Christian country and we are a Christian nation, blah, 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 blah. I think it gets muddy in there with these surveys as well. Well, the, the yeah. other thing too is like, and I think we've all seen this, but I think social media, particularly Twitter has like 
made a lot of people been like, I'm loving confronting someone about this or that is love. Like I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to call them out publicly because that's what the loving thing to do is. Look, you can read, you can, you know, I see so many Christians try to redefine love to something to, to fit this confrontational kind of just like, like you were saying, Jamie, sort of this jerkishness where it's like, guys, let's not, let's not play that game. That's not what love is. Like meet people where they're at, you know, don't bully them, actually demonstrate a degree of compassion and kindness and let the Holy Spirit be able to do his job, which is, you know, that's the work of any sort of conversion, right? Like what's the the Billy Graham things, the, the old Billy Graham quote where, don't um, be with women behind closed doors. <laughs> it's it's it, 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 it's uh, the uh, the Holy Spirit's job to convict. It's God's job to judge. It's it's my job to love. Right. I, I think that's part of the thing with with being more loving too. It's just understanding what love should be. All right. What else? What else we got, Emily? Um, in a sort of related way to this study, um, I want to talk about a very interesting story you may have seen on the internet. Um, a youth pastor was recently placed on administrative leave because he handed out stickers to his youth students that says, I heart hot youth pastors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just take that for a second. Um, this is not okay. I love it. The emoticon, the emoticon heart, like yeah. the, like the emoji. I heart hot youth it. pastors. Um, so this is a youth pastor. He's bet. also 35. I do feel like that that part is important to address that he's in his mid thirties. Not that it makes it better at any age, but mm. I mid thirties and we're doing this. Okay. Well, okay. Do we know what he looks like? Cause if he is old and slovenly, Are you want to know if he's hot is and clearly, clearly yeah. making a joke, yeah. right. Yeah. Or if he's like that's a, a hot fit 24 year old, who's got, who's vain, you know, that's two different. I can tell you that every pastor is hot in their own. Mind, <laughs> I don't think that's particularly. And, and their I don't wives think that. minds too, Tyler. Their wives <laughs> think they're hot too. Yeah. You know, that whole of hot course. Half yeah. I say this with love. I say this with love. Oh my gosh. Um, so in obviously parents were incredibly concerned when their kids came home with these stickers that said, I heard how these pastors. <laughs> Can you imagine? So, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and so obviously the parents uh, like spoke with um, church leaders and trying to figure out what the heck was going through this guy's mind. He wrote a post that honestly, I have more questions about than answers. Basically no. he was trying to Is comment. he defending it? Um, He was trying to oh boy. explain why he did it. So I guess in a way, yeah. Okay. I'm interested. I, he, I'm intrigued. Yeah, I'm intrigued. Basically, <laughs> yeah, his I'm argument ready. was he was trying, he was just trying to make a joke about the I heart hot moms culture. Is that's that a culture said. of the people are familiar with? I'm not. Well, because well it's a t-shirt that's because because his sticker did replicate the I heart hot moms design. So I don't know this. I don't know this culture. This? It's a, uh, Makes a bunch, it on TikTok and stuff. A bunch of college kids and stuff wear this shirt, and then they're like into moms, or like they joke, they go around and shoot videos like flirting with middle aged women wearing I heart hot moms. It's just okay. kind of like a well, meme, this makes it all meme culture I have thing. So many thoughts. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I am a middle aged mom. This is really hitting me in a weird spot. So okay, so it makes it better now. He's just trying to do his own version of harassing women. Okay, this is I get yeah. It. So now right, it's right, okay. Right, right. Right. Now it's okay. Yeah. No, um, it's not okay. <laughs> so obviously he's been placed on administrative leave the church has said they're doing like a thorough investigation into why this happened he had they they released both a private email to the church and then also posted on social media with some more stuff but um they have talked with him he understands that that was not the right thing to do so 
Silver lining, I guess. This feels uh, like something that like you've got this 19 year old interim youth pastor that's in his like yeah. freshman year of college yeah, and it's yeah, at a yeah. church yeah. of 25 and right. they're like, hey, exactly. can you fill in? And he's like, this is funny. Yeah. This guy's middle age. What mm-hmm. can you tell me? Does it matter? What denomination is this? Don't of say course it. he's Don't Baptist. What are you talking about? I think it's Baptist. I think it is Baptist. I know. I know a Baptist joke when I hear one. Yeah. What, yeah. Which denomination has the most repressive sexual, like Baptist dialogue and sure. ethics, so that it manifests in the weirdest yeah. ways possible all the time? That's yeah. yeah, I was it's just hoping the weirdness would be spread out, would be spread spread it oh. out among other denominations. But please, I, I literally ask in our staff meetings, why do we I talk do about the this... Baptists so much? And they're like, "That's where all the news is," you know. So anyway, That's where the good stuff yeah. is. Yeah, they make news. They, they make headlines. It is. I will say yeah. it's like the largest don, denom. I'm not defending dear Jesus. No, it is the largest <laughs> denomination here in America. Don't Jesse. I'm not defending. Don't even think that. No, I, 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 I've. When is Jesse? I went to a Baptist. Hey, I grew up. I grew up. Listen, I grew up in a heavily Baptist part of the country. I went to a Baptist high school. I understand the culture intimately, and 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 I make these jokes. I I went to a fundamentalist Baptist (laughs) high school as well. They saw the Southern Baptists as those liberal charismatics. You know what I'm saying? So like Bob Jones University recruited at my high school. So I mean that's I'm I'm in there, but you know. they were watching a debate at my high school during like you know a chapel where their egg shakers were too close to percussion, which was absolutely <laughs> off limits. Egg shaker, a- an egg shaker was a theological. The church at my high school did not have drums. There was no yeah. percussion. There was an organ and a piano, and that's it. So I think where we landed, honestly, this is where it landed. There could be an egg shaker, but the guitar player had to hold it in their hand and like shake it while they play. <laughs> they couldn't just be a designated yeah. egg shaker person, you know. Meanwhile, youth pastors are making stickers that say, I love hot youth pastors. I mean, come on. Well, what now, are we dealing with now I'm understanding why my high school church viewed Southern Baptists as these crazy liberals because <laughs> they're out there with their hot youth pastors like the world. Oh, my I've gosh. Heard anyone refer to Southern Baptists as crazy liberals? <laughs> I know. <That> a, <laughs> the fundamentalist. That is a shocking statement to me. I'm going to be thinking about that for a while. <laughs> don't, don't you think that youth pastors, though, like, I feel like, if you've done any time working with in the youth group, which mm-hmm. believe me, I have, they, they, it seems like it's so, it's gets so disconnected. Like there's just not a lot of people in a lot of these youth, not all of them, I'm sure, but a lot of these youth groups are just kind of like, here's what we're doing this week. But you know, they just run through the, and the game is like, we're going to, you're going to drink blended shoes. And like, that's <laughs> yeah. the game for the week that they do. And then the sermon is going to be about that or no God, something like that. And then we'll do the bit where we hand out the hot, the I heart hot youth pastors thing. Like that feels like a very normal sequence of events <laughs> that nobody would have to, they, they, the 35 year old youth pastor does not have to get the sign off from pastor Steve up top right. to do any of this. Not that it would have yeah, changed but anything, he, but did he ask Mrs. Youth pastor if this would be okay? Like, is he married? Does he have children? Like, what is this? Is just like, I don't know if he's married or has children. I would love to know his wife's thoughts if he is married. I'm sure he's not married. (laughs) There's no way. Oh my gosh, this poor guy. I have to, I have to note something. I think I think there, it's just youth pastor culture where it's not always the greatest judgment. Where it's like there was a there there was a huge portion of my youth group experience growing up where it's like it was basically fear factor. Yeah, it was like we're going to start <laughs> yeah. off yeah, and someone's eating sure. a live cockroach. We, you know, like it, it might as well have been an episode of Fear Factor every for sure. Wednesday night. And while I hated yeah. those games, I think I'd rather go back to Fear Factor than have my 
youth pastor hand out a hot youth pastor sticker. For sure. And yeah. honestly, here's the problem too. These youth pastors, they're usually, like I said, 22 years old and you're asking them to lead a 17 year old. It's just, but this guy, <laughs> this is why it's all surprising because he is mid 30. Like you, no. you got to know better yeah. by now. So I would have given this guy a pass if you would have told me he was under 25. No. I would not have. I would I not either. Would've. No, 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 no pass. I would have been like, no dude, pass. you're stupid. What were you thinking? Like, did you ask anyone? But now I'm like, wait, I, no. I see, to me, it's not It's not about the age. It's I have to gauge his hotness and to see how <laughs> ironic it is. Right. If he's hot, if he's That's hot. problematic. If he's yeah. clearly not, then he's making himself yeah, then, then, then a I, joke. Yeah. So if he's hot, it's yeah. bad. If he's hot, it's just a statement of fact. You can't get you. You can't be put on administrative leave for that. Emily, I'm going to need a text the truth. before we finish with this guy's picture. Okay, that's yeah. all I'm saying. Okay. Okay. I, I, gotta, and you got to think of this too. They are die cut stickers. These are high quality vinyl die cut <laughs> stickers. Those are about two bucks a piece at low runs. Wow. This yeah. dude. I mean, let's say he did fifty of them. That's a hundred dollars. That is half a year salary for a Baptist youth pastor. <laughs> yeah. That is a and major he had to commitment. Have that cleared by the budget. It's a yeah. major commitment well, to a joke. Uh, imagine being imagine being the person at the sticker factory, the custom <laughs> sticker factory. He's like, hey, we got a huge order. It just came in and they're high quality. Okay, cool. Send over the design. What is it? And it's like, uh, I think we need to notify somebody. Someone just ordered someone just ordered four hundred stickers that say I love hot youth pastors. Oh my god. Is there someone that needs to be called? Is this like a red flag like a watch thing? Do we, do, is someone needing to notify? A red flag. <laughs> <laughs> that's true oh can you imagine fulfilling that order packing it up being like god bless whoever's on the receiving end of this <laughs> i think the sticker person is just as capable how could you have let this happen how could you, they knew they knew when they're shipping that out there's 50 50 this is going to make its way to the news some one way or the other these stickers are going to be on the news for them there's no such thing as bad news yeah, bad news. Check clear. Check clear is either way, brother. <laughs> All right, what else do you have, Emily? <laughs> um, the other thing I want to talk about has nothing to do with hot youth pastors. Thank Good. God. Thank goodness. Uh, by the time this airs, the Rings of Power series finale will have come out, and a lot of people have been talking about it, and they've actually been pleasantly surprised with how well the show has stuck to Tolkien's story, which I think is always a really good sign. Um, but what's interesting is. Hollywood Reporter shared that apparently Netflix wanted to do Lord of the Rings on their own, but the Tolkien estate said no. And what's surprising is Netflix offered more money. And keep in mind, this is already the most expensive TV show ever created. So I have no idea what that means that Netflix shared more money or wanted more, wanted to give more money. Um, yeah, they the paid two, $250 million for the rights to this. And that's not even the production cost. Wow. Exactly. Quarter, quarter billion dollars just for the show. The, re the report said tens of millions more. They didn't give an exact figure, but it was like, it was a healthy amount of change. Wow. Which is insane. Um, but the reason that the Tolkien estate said no is because Netflix wanted to make sort of like an MCU version of Lord of the Rings. Um, and I think this is really interesting to talk about because I think it shows that a lot of media companies are looking to create their own universe of stuff. And I personally don't want that. And I think it's, very interesting that all these companies are trying to do that like even Netflix itself they're trying to do a Stranger Things universe obviously the MCU is probably the most successful one but you know you have ones like Star Wars which those have been hit or miss over the few years um, DC I won't even talk about that but just you know not great um, so it's just interesting that uh, there's these franchises that people love and people are trying to make them into universes 
but I don't think we want those by that. So I'm, I'm curious, how do you guys feel about like the franchise universe I, stuff? I, I think people are exhausted of it. I think, I think that that was that the Tolkien estate made the right move. There's just so much, there's too much content out now as it stands. Like there's more shows than, than I am able to watch a lot of stuff that like looks good. I'd love to get on that someday. I, I just do not have the time to even watch one or two things right now. And when you add on top of that, that most of these franchises, like they're just not very good. <laughs> like I think Marvel's kind of the only one that's been somewhat financially successful, but even that's getting spread really thin right now and providing diminishing returns financially and critically. I, I think that th- there's just doing this, I think is just not sustainable for the people who make these things. And it's certainly not sustainable for us, the viewers who just, I think people are like the glut is getting to be too much. And I don't think this is a sustainable amount of entertainment for one culture to have shoved in front of it on a regular basis. I'm I for one just don't need, I I don't want another universe. I don't want another franchise. I just want a good TV show. I have no, I have no opinions about the universes, but I do. When I hear this story, I'm like, I res- mad respect for the Tolkien's because yeah. they're like, you know what? We're going to pass up millions, billions of dollars, which everyone money speaks to say we want to protect what we want to do. So I don't know anything about universes, but I'm for like, sure. way to go, guys. Yeah, there you go. I, I guess I I don't really I just think universes need to get more bold. Like, <laughs> and here's what I mean. Like, I want I want a universe. Like, here's an example. OK, in my mind, die hard. And family matters. They're in the same universe. <laughs> okay, yeah. they have the yeah. same character. Yeah. Yes, they have yeah. the same character. Oh. And and but but I just love it. They're totally different tones. One is a sitcom about a nerd who lives next door. One is about a New York cop trying to take down terrorists, and they're linked by just one character. Right? If you haven't seen Die Hard, go watch it, and you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. I don't have time to explain it. That's what Wikipedia is for. Okay. But that's what, if you want to do a universe, make every ex- branch of the universe wildly, yeah. wildly different genre wise. That would keep me interested. Because otherwise, it's just like, this is a sequel that came before. So, you know, who cares? Like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's all the same. Just a bunch of movies with the same characters and loosely connected. It's just a lot to keep up with, and I can't do it. So just if, just spin them off into weird sitcoms and stuff that that would be my advice i agree that's a great idea i can't imagine lord of the rings as a sitcom though why not that's his whole point i would watch it exactly i would but you're telling me if 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 netflix was like, like hey meet we're, the golems yeah like, <laughs> just a whole family of the little guys <laughs> or it's like wait, there's a half of that one of the hobbit movies that i got dragged to when those were coming out <laughs> half of it like the opening hour was like trolls singing while doing dishes at a hobbit house okay do you guys remember that it was like a half I hour never of the watched movie. that one but i i know it, what you're talking I slept about through them all it, it might as well have been a sitcom it might as well have been about trolls who throw dinner parties that was half the first movie anyway like i would watch a hobbit sitcom i mean it's better than watching a four-hour hobbit movie that's <laughs> <laughs> how you really feel jesse All right. Well, there's a lot more where that came from. We cover the intersection of faith, culture, and life every day over at RelevantMagazine.com. Make it part of your daily web browsing. Uh, That'll do it for the buzz. Thanks, Emily. Thanks, y'all. Bye. Stay tuned up next. Morphic Clark joins us.
You're listening to Let's Eat Grandma. The song is Happy New Year. Hey, if you like this podcast, but you might like it better if there were no ads, you can do that. Head over to relevantmagazine.com and sign up for Relevant Plus. For just a couple bucks a month, you get this podcast ad-free. You get ad-free unlimited reading at relevantmagazine.com, including the full podcast and magazine archives. Our beautifully designed digital issue and a little more. Uh, Check out all the info right there on the Relevant Plus tab at relevantmagazine.com. Well, our guest today is Morpheth Clark. She's best known for her role of Galadriel in Amazon's Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power, and as Maud in St. Maud. She recently sat down with Tyler to talk all things Tolkien and the importance of living with truth and morals. Here's our conversation with Morpheth Clark. My brother gave his life hunting the enemy. His task is now mine. So I really wasn't sure what to expect going into my conversation with Morpheth Clark. Uh, I'd seen her in a couple of movies that I really loved. She was the lead in A24's horror movie, St. Maud. Also played Dora in The Personal History of David Copperfield, which I, both movies that I loved a lot, but obviously taking on the rings of power as really the lead role as Galadriel has an enormous amount of expectation placed on it, a, a story that obviously I really love and, and that is really, really beloved by a lot of other people. And I was just so uh, impressed and even, I would say, kind of surprised by not only how much she cared about this story and about the world of Tolkien and, and her deep knowledge of the lore, but also her passion for the moral universe that uh, Tolkien created and uh, how much she cared about the themes, not just of, uh, of everybody, uh, not just the adventure or the, or the story, but, uh, but the really deep moral themes of the Lord of the Rings that were very important to her to carry across from that to the Rings of Power, which now, having seen the full season of, I think were really, really well handled, and, and, and I, I really appreciated the time and effort this team put into it, and it certainly would not have been as good without Clark in the role. So I was glad to see, I when I, I talked to her before I had seen the entire season, having now seen it, I give it a very enthusiastic, uh, positive review, and I do chalk a lot of that up to her performance. So here is my conversation with Morpheus Clark. Stand with me. Ours was no chance meeting. Not fate. Nor destiny. Ours was the work of something greater. Um, I I was wondering about some of the the pressure that you might have felt knowing how many people have so many just enormous expectations and preconceived ideas about what this story is going to be like and what these characters are going to be like and how you balanced that with uh, wanting to meet those expectations but also wanting to do something new and, and creative that comes from inside and how that all worked out for you. I have a group of friends that I've been friends with since like um, nursery and for years and years we've met up once a year and watched all three films together and um, they are they have extreme expectations and ideas about how this show should be and that's kind of what it is to be part of a um, something that's beloved and has been kind of part of our culture for like 70 years now isn't it yeah um, so it's kind of it's part and parcel of it and um, 
as a fan myself, like I'm a big horror fan and a big fantasy fan. And I think part of the things that make those genres so interesting is the discourse. And that discourse can be had in a really respectful and lovely way. Choose not the path of fear, but that of faith. I want to ask about a line from the pilot. You'll have to forgive me because I, I thought I had written it down and, uh, and now I can't find it. But, it. but it was one of the last lines in the episode. And it's the line that uh, Galadriel's brother says to her when she asks, how can we tell the lightness from the darkness? And I believe it's something like sometimes we have to touch the darkness first to know or that's not quite right. Could you maybe unpack a little bit of, of what that means? Because it feels like it's a very core part of what this show is going to be. Yeah, I... I... I like that quote, which I am now also not going to be able to remember exactly. Um, but to first, to first know the light, you have to touch the darkness. And I think what I really love about that line is that I think it touches on what Tolkien talks about a lot, which is humility and knowing the limits of yourself. Um, and I think we do learn through mistakes. You can't go through life thinking you're going to be perfect. You've got to go through life seeing when you did things wrong and taking accountability for that and moving forward in a different way. And I think that's why, um, you know, that's why kind of Faramir, I feel that Tolkien absolutely loved Faramir because he knew that he should never touch the ring. Um, com he completely knew himself. Um, so yeah, I was really excited when I kind of read that because it, it, it seemed to embody a lot of what I see as like Tolkien's, all I can think of is the word vibe, which isn't. Commander, wait! No, we keep moving! Why do you keep fighting? There is a tempest in me. I, I think that power seems it's in the title it's very central to this story it's very central to to all of tolkien's stories and sort of what you're talking about more of it which is who deserves to have it and who doesn't um what do you think this show has to say about that idea to this time that we're living in right now to to contemporary world in 2022 what i love about tolkien's world is that you can't have a universe you can't have a Middle Earth that only suits the elves. You can't have a Middle Earth that only suits humans or dwarfs or hobbits. But you need a world that's gentle enough to suit the hobbits. Um, and you don't get that through one person having absolute power. Mm. You get that again through different people learning that the limits of themselves, humility, hope and mercy. Um, and that's something that I think will always be relevant for us to kind of remind ourselves that we need to water our hope, exercise it and lean on each other. Enough, Galadriel. Put up your sword. Without it, what am I to be? That was Morfit Clark. Make sure to check out the finale of Amazon's Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power. It aired or debuted this weekend. All right, stay tuned up next. It's your feedback. Smile on my face, make up with the fans, but still I ain't stand. On to the next city, stay on the road, got a mess of the plan, yeah. Been on my way, I bust out a scene, they don't understand, yeah. 
Legend like Jordan, the game been in order, but still I ain't playing. Consistent, I press start to go, my flow timeless, inexhaustible. They can't keep up, it been hard to know how else feel. Ain't really took none of those. Can't complain, my name been comfortable. Stamp my name on the brain of most of those. Who need truth in my back with ton of flows? You're listening to Stephen Malcolm and Social Club Misfits. The song is Ain't Playing. Okay, it's time for your feedback. Last week, we asked you for your craziest or weirdest scar story. Um, Jamie wasn't here, but uh, something happened in feedback where a person was talking about they had to call out from work because their excuse was they got a BB stuck in their rear end. And Jesse pointed out that the only way a BB will penetrate the skin is if it's skin on like direct contact to the skin, which means his rear end was exposed. Why would his Which rear end have been exposed? Probably asking for he, it. Is this where the mooning came in? Yeah. He's a mooner. He deserves to get Got hit it. with a BB. That's all yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. So anyway, we want to know your weirdest scar story. Uh, you hit us up on Twitter at Relevant Podcast, and here are a few of our favorites. Uh, Jason Talley says, I was six years old dancing to country music on a coffee table. I fell off. The corner caught my face. Country music scarred me for life. That is... Uh, uh, I would also know. like to point out that Jason Talley is the editor of this podcast. He inserted his own feedback into the feedback document. Hey, I did... I, I uh, Jason, and I apologize for, for not recognizing... I just know you as Jason so far, but now I know. It is a good story. And here's what, Jason, we're... we're I don't know if you guys can see this right here. Oh, yeah. On the side of my face. No, that's a that's a corner of a coffee table at about six years old too. I don't know if country music was involved, <laughs> but it's it's within the realm of plausibility. I like this one from Connor Voigt. My cousin and I were filming a fake sword fight for okay, there are layers to this one. Filming a fake sword fight for a project at my Christian high school in Texas. Layers upon layers of bad ideas involved here. Not surprised somebody ended up with a scar. In this case it was Connor. He said I had a prop sword, but he brought an actual machete. <laughs> My hand slipped and he cut my thumb to the bone. I still have the gruesome photos and a cool scar 13 years later. Wow. He he shares my machete to the bone on a finger story. That's good. I have the same. If you're, there's, if it's a really important rule of a fake sword fight is that the swords are also fake. Otherwise it's just a real sword. No distinction. My, my, my little brother, when he was a toddler, my parents bought him the full armor of God. Uh, you know, at the Christian bookstore and it was like his yeah. own play set and it had a big old plastic sword and I was a teenager and I was mouthing off to my mom one time in the kitchen and I, which I was, I I've tended to do. And uh, she picked up the nearest thing she could, which was my brother's play full armor of God's sword. And she hit me with it so hard it shattered. So I, I didn't get a scar from that. But uh, even the prop swords and the play swords can cause some harm. So just FYI. Yeah. yeah. Oh, the sword okay, of the listen to this brother-sister thing. Hannah said, this is great. This she is said, great. my brother jokingly cut me in the arm. Like he thought the knives were dull. Okay, I get it. She said, I see blood and yell at him. And he feels so bad that he slices himself twice that he has to get stitches. She said, I wish we could say we were kids, but this happened when I was 18 and 19 and he was 25 years old. <laughs> They're just like cutting each other up in the a kitchen. Man a man of honor. A man of honor. He said, I'm so sorry I, I will I like slice that. myself twice. Hannah's, Hannah's brother, you you I, I appreciate I appreciate the principles that you held to <laughs> yeah. in there. What 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 was cut, the first let, let's make this minor accident literally three times as worse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like the medical bills are now three times as much because there's right. three cuts to stitch up. 
Well, there, there's a lot more scars. You guys are very scarred people. Uh, go check out all the feedback at, uh, re- yeah, at Relevant Podcast on Twitter. It's really funny. All right, it's time for this week's editorial question of the week. Well, a lot of our listeners went, grew up and went to youth group. Not all, but a lot. Uh, so we experienced some weird stuff together. You know, it's called a trauma bond. Um, so <laughs> we want to know. We want to know. I've been somebody's been in counseling this year. Uh, we want to know <laughs> what's the weirdest thing your youth pastor ever did. That's it. What's the weirdest thing your youth pastor ever did? You know, obviously we're referencing the uh, sticker incident from earlier, but hit us up on Twitter. I'm going to have to bring a story too, because Aaron, my husband, was a youth pastor when we were first married. And so listen, a lot of these things, talk about trauma bonds. I'm feeling them real deep. <laughs> yeah, I was there. I was there for the whole Survivor Series where we made people do crazy things. All the things. Yep. Yep. Wow. All right. Well, there you go. Hit us up on Twitter at Relevant Podcast, and uh, we'll read our favorites on next week's show. We might have to dedicate the entire episode to it. Just a collective healing moment that we can all have together. Well, before we wrap things up, I want to remind you to head over to relevantmagazine.com to check out the fall issue of Relevant. You can just click on the magazine tab and read amazing features like MIA telling us her crazy conversion story, N.T. Wright unpacking what the Bible really is, Sterling K. Brown, Regina Hall, um, and more from the cast of The Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power. All right. On that note, we will wrap things up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Jamie Ivey. And I'm Tyler Huckabee. We'll see you next time. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening to The Relevant Podcast. Check out our features, interviews, and news updates every day at RelevantMagazine.com. And make sure to follow Relevant on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for the latest. For more great podcasts, browse the shows on the Relevant Podcast Network, which you can find at our site. And while you're there, don't miss the all-new era of Relevant Magazine. A new issue releases every other month at RelevantMagazine.com. And I like the thrill of the indoor fire. I like that it feels incredibly unsafe. Relevant Podcast Network. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.